listening to the Build Shaves Podcast, presented by Midco Sports Network. Midco SN, proud to be your television home for UND Athletics, plus the Summit League, the NCHC, the NSIC, and the best high school coverage throughout North and South Dakota, plus award-winning original programs like Midco Sports Magazine and Day by Day, which premieres this week. That's Midco Sports Network. This is how we do sports, and this is the Build Shaves Podcast. Welcome to another edition, episode two of season two of the Bill Shaves podcast alongside University of North Dakota Athletics Director Bill Shaves. I'm Alex Seinert. We're taping this on a Monday morning, back to a Monday morning pod record session uh, coming in on the 19th of August. School starts a week from today, Bill. Got to be a buzz around campus right now, isn't there? Yeah, there really is, Alex. I'll tell you what, a lot of construction around campus, as we know. And uh, uh, as we're going down that path, a lot of families will be coming here. And I think uh, University uh, Drive, uh, from what I'm hearing, is uh, going to open here in the next day or so. So uh, or at least parts of it, right? And so uh, I think there's still some other things that need to be done uh, once it does open. But it's exciting times. It's always the, uh, you know, it's, it's almost like, uh, I don't know, baseball always has a, a kind of a spring training a, a new hope type thing going to it. And I think a new mm-hmm. school year does as well. No, I agree for sure. I know if, if folks have been around campus recently, yeah, I think the construction projects are probably the first thing that kind of catch your attention because there is a lot of that going on, but it's good to know a lot of those have been geared up to finish right before the start of classes, especially yeah, the work on, on university, which has been all tore up this summer, but cool to hear that those things are all coming to a, coming to a close here soon. Yeah, well, you know, the other piece is obviously the union is uh, is being taken down right now and in kind of stages. And in, in, uh, for our facilities folks, they had to make sure, you know, it was kind of, uh, I guess, cordoned off. And so mm-hmm. that it makes sure that when obviously the, the onslaught of students come, that everything was squared away. But I think everything is, uh, is going uh, according to plan. Yeah, well, with that, against classes starting a week from today, Fall sports very much underway, of course. We're going to talk in this episode a lot about the fall programs that we've got that are getting ready to to begin their seasons. A couple that have already gotten some exhibition games under their belt. Regular season play beginning actually this week for women's soccer, so lots of stuff to talk about there. A couple of things off the field, though, that we want to touch on first, and there was some big news around the athletics department this past week with kind of an announcement about the shifting of sports medicine and human performance, and we're not even the shifting, but the merging of those two things. Bill, do you want to talk a little more about about that news? Yeah, you know, thanks, Alex. Yeah, we announced that on on Friday, and it's been a long time uh, over the last year or so having some conversations about what's in the best interest of our student athletes and where we are currently, like right now, as far as uh, what are some uh, institutions doing? It's mainly Power Five schools. They've they've kind of taken the umbrella approach to sport performance, mm-hmm. and that includes you know, everything from your strength and conditioning to your, uh, your nutrition, uh, you know, how your sleep patterns, um, everything, your, your mental well-being, if you will. And so all of those things really are going to be under one umbrella now. And we were just so lucky to have someone on our campus, uh, like a Steve Westering, who just has uh, just a number of credentials uh, for us. Uh, He works out of our uh, medical school. And, and honestly, Alex, I, UND was a pioneer back in 1991 when when actually our our sports medicine ha- has emanated out of that the uh, the medical school you know uh, since 91 which is amazing really and uh, that independent care 
is is a big deal. I'll say this. In in some ways, it's for the patient. In this case, it's the student athlete because you want the medical professionals to make sure they're doing the right things at all times for the care and well-being of our student athletes. Yeah, and that's a huge piece to this. And one of the great things in the press release that you talked about and that Steve talked about as well, when you think about physicians, athletic trainers, physical therapists, strength staff, psychologists, there's so many people are involved in this and they're all going to play a part perhaps in the recovery process of an athlete. And doesn't it make sense if all those people are kind of working under the same umbrella? I mean, that's that's what UND has been doing for a long time, but to really gear that and make that as fine-tuned a process as possible, those are steps in the right direction. Yeah, the connection, the connection really in this case scenario was to umbrella strength and conditioning into that area. And if you, uh, so back, uh, I'm going to say maybe, uh, maybe around 2014-ish, somewhere in that range. So about five years ago, the NCAA hired Dr. Brian Hainline, and he's the head of the sports science division at the NCAA. And this is one of the initiatives. I mean, he's had a number of initiatives since he's come on board, but one of them was to really umbrella the strength and conditioning folks under this, this broader umbrella. And uh, it just makes sense for the student athlete because, yeah. you know, you, you don't want things, uh, I'll say this, dis connected or you want the best communication possible. And that's what we're trying uh, to achieve here. Yes. Is the plan, by the way, just from a specific standpoint, this will get rolled out when, or this is already kind of in the process of happening right now. What does that look like? It's happening now. And so we, we, you know, that was kind of our announcement to say, Hey, look, this is how we are going to approach the care of our student athletes from the second they come on our campus to then when they actually walk across the stage and graduate. And, that, and that's kind of our, our, our way of uh, saying, look, from, from, from zero to 100, this is how we're going to approach the, the, the welfare of our student athletes. That's a good plan. That's, that's what you want, I think, especially from a parent's perspective and from an athlete's perspective as well. You want that care to be in place right off the bat. Well, you know what it does too? It, it, it gets us all on the same boat, uh, excuse me, the same train going forward, especially from a coaching standpoint, right? I mean, it just, yeah. you, you definitely want to be on the same page because I'll tell you, it, it, is, it, it can get tricky because there's just so many things that a student athlete has to do. And I, I want to make sure that there's maximum communication so that their care is, uh, is obviously first and foremost. One of the other things about the release that I thought was interesting, the reference, you know, not just to the physical side of recovery, but also the emotional, you know, side and the mental side and trying to make sure that that part is addressed as well. Cause that's become a big thing, sports psychology and making sure, you know, cause student athletes go through, a lot. And you, we've seen a lot of cases where kids, you know, even though they're a star athlete, get depressed and, and go through that side of things. And that doesn't seem to be overlooked in this. No. In fact, I think there's two things you're really looking at. So you might be looking at, does someone need help in some way, shape or form um, to, uh, to potentially overcome something? That That's mm-hmm. one side of it. Um, and, and, you know, so and even from that perspective, Alex, there's a lot of, you know, differential, um, uh, 
pieces to that. I mean, it could be in, it could be depression. Let's just say it could be sleep sleep deprivation. It could sure. be an eating disorder. It could be so. Not everyone's experts, and so you just don't go to one person, and they can, they can handle all that. In a weird way, you almost need to come in, and there needs to be almost a triage opportunity so that you can figure out where that student athlete needs to go. Could be it could be right here on campus as well. And so, but but at the end of the day, we need the one person. In this case, it's Steve Westering, who eventually here very shortly is going to be Dr. Westering, is uh, <laughs> just because he just has a, a lot of different things in his uh, toolbox. Mm-hmm. Is uh, he, you know, it gives us the opportunity to say, hey, this is the best path for you. Then the other part of it is could be the sport performance side. So that, you know, almost kind of the psychological, you know, what are best probably thought would be tennis, right? You're out there by yourself. Mm. Who are you with? That in golf, even golf, you have a caddy. Tennis, you, it's you (laughs) in your thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes your thoughts can get the better of you, right? Or, Or you're in the batter's box, right? You're in the batter's box and you're, it's you and yourself, and that's it. It's a lonely place sometimes. It's sometimes that's a very lonely place. It wasn't very lonely with the VAR on the weekend, though. I, that, oh. I, that was that, that was a nice weekend. That's the B side. But there's a little foreshadowing for the B side that's coming up a little later. Just a little bit. But but I'll tell you what, we're excited about this because I I it, it's just the next iteration and evolution of student athlete care. Yeah. Yeah, well, great for this the university. You mentioned this is kind of following in step with what a lot of major programs around the country have done in the last five or so years. And obviously, UND has been doing this since the early '90s, but now just to officially say, hey, this is this is the plan. We're going to make sure that this is how we follow things moving forward in terms of our athletic care for our for our student athletes. So really good stuff there from a UND perspective. Um, one other bit of last week in in episode one of season two, we talked about some of the big things that kind of took place over the summer and some were on field and some were off. But one of the things we didn't touch on that is going to affect North Dakota and affect the schools in the summer league is the, the news that broke about a month ago that Purdue Fort Wayne has made the decision to transition to the Horizon League for the 2020-2021 season. And so just as UMKC, which is now rebranded as just Kansas City. Kansas City joining the league in 2020 to get to 10 teams. Now we're, we're back to nine because Fort Wayne's going to be leaving. From your chair, Bill, kind of talk me through how you experienced that news and what you see this meaning for the Summer League as a whole. Yeah, I, I don't think it was a surprise per se. Um, I think uh, when, when, uh, when Fort Wayne uh, has had some conversations with the horizon. I think they are probably what geographically a fit more with that conference versus the summit. So it wasn't a surprise, but I guess it always is when the news actually hits. And so, uh, you know, I was, um, interested to know whether the horizon was going to go in that direction or not, because that puts them at odd numbers as well. So that was kind of interesting to me, but you know, I I can understand it. Heck, you know, we're, we're sitting in a situation where we were in a similar situation with the big sky. Now we're in the summit and, and we're again, right in the, uh, you know, the same geographical area as most of our, uh, our our competition uh, in the conference. And so I think you're right though, Alex, it puts us back to nine 
and now we're going to have to think through what makes sense, I think, moving forward to get to 10. And, you know, there's, we can all read the papers. I mean, there's rumors <laughs> out there. I mean, I, I there's, a, I, I mean, I'm just saying, mm -hmm. I mean, we can mm -hmm. easily read the papers, but I don't believe anything until it actually happens. And so uh, I, I, I've been on record to say this is that I'm a big fan of 10. That's it. I, I, I'm a big fan of 10. Yeah. And so whether and however 10 occurs, I, I, then then you have to dig deeper. What's the right situation for the summit today, tomorrow, and hopefully into the future? Yeah, and I think that's a good way to look at it. And from a fan's perspective, there obviously is, I think there was so much excitement about getting to an even number of teams again. And 10, obviously, a very stable number where you could maybe see more of a travel partner situation and, and kind of thinking, oh, maybe this can be a little more like it was in the big sky and some of that familiarity. And so I think I'm sure the initial reaction when you hear that one team is leaving is like, well, shoot, um, we're back to kind of where we started of having just those scheduling quirks of having an odd number of teams. But like you said, you can't, you can't fault Fort Wayne. The Horizon League, all the teams are centered in a handful of what six states all that all connect with between Wisconsin, Michigan, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, and Kentucky. Everybody's right there. Yep. There's no outliers. It's all pretty tight. This is the same move IUPUI did a couple of years ago to move from the summit to the horizon. So, like you said, probably not a shock, but it does. You know, it, it maybe raids now. Yeah, like I said, a few more questions over what the next step will be for the league and who does maybe ultimately become that tenth team, if if anyone. Yeah, I, I do think there. Uh, Personally, this is just my opinion. I do think there's a desire um, among my counterparts to get to ten. I, I don't. I don't think that that's a mystery, or I, I'm uh, releasing something that is, uh, you know, sacred information. I, I think. I think anybody would probably understand that having an even amount of teams would make a whole lot of sense and provides us then some scheduling opportunities that currently don't exist. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I think so too. When you talk with other athletic directors around the league did you get the sense that um was this talked about a little bit like was this kind of one of those moves that you could sort of see coming uh, just just even from from amongst the rest of the group in the summit league had there been conversations about this well i mean i think by by uh if you read uh, commissioner duple's uh quotes I, I i think it's something that fort wayne uh was at least uh thoughtful on saying, look, if an opportunity arose where we could get back geographically aligned, I think that's something we would consider. But much like anything else, they could have those desires. They still had to get the offer uh, from the Horizon League. And so once that occurred, and, and uh, Alex, truly, you never know when that's going to be. So it, it, like I said, there's always a kernel of surprise. There really is. I mean, I, yeah. you know, even though you might know it's coming, it still can be surprising, right? And so, uh, um, but I understand where they're coming from. But now we have to figure out as a conference which what makes most sense going forward. Yeah, good stuff. Well, so a, a tough one for the mascot fans out there because you lose the mastodons, but you get the kangaroos. You get the roos. So we're we're trading prehistoric elephants for marsupials. It's just you know a flip of a coin. Uh, yeah, no question. And uh, the, as as the ruse come bouncing back, right? In a sense, <laughs> a little bit. It, it's it is kind of funny now because you talk about the addition of Kansas City, which is a big deal, I and mean, that's another major market that is kind of bridging the gap for Oral Roberts down in Tulsa to the Omaha's and and Vermillion and Brookings, et cetera, up down the list. It really does, you know. And obviously, Kansas City was a part of the summit 
a few years back and just like Oral Roberts has now rejoined the fold for that 2020 season. Uh, talk about those conversations because that was, of course, a big part of this, the addition of Kansas City since the last time that we talked. Yeah, I, I don't think there was uh, any question that if Kansas City had uh, a thought of coming back that it, it, it it made a whole lot of sense for folks. Certainly, you're right. I mean, it, it, it lines up right and down, uh, up and down I-29 now. So, uh, and then not to mention getting into a, a market that we're not in currently, and obviously has substantial amount of uh, uh, people uh, in that market. So, I think it's a, uh, I think it's a win for us. I would consider it probably, let's call it a win-win when we get yeah. back to ten. I mean, because really, it really was a win-win when Fort Wayne was in. And so yeah. we had 10 for a half a second and now we're back to nine and now we got to try to figure out the 10 piece again. Yeah. Well, I know folks around this area have heard, and we talked about it sort of at arm's length, but obviously August Santa has made their declaration that they want to move to D1. I know you don't want to talk about some of the specifics and we don't have to speculate, but that would be, I think most people around here would look at this and think, oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. This would be another NCC school that would just sort of come back in and make that jump just a little bit later than everybody else did. But they still, of course, have a few more hurdles to go through. They have not officially made the transition. There's not been an invitation from the Summit League. There's a lot of stuff there. And there's obviously the, the fundraising part of it. That's a huge, that's a huge deal to have to raise enough money to to be a viable D1 school. And that's, you know, a smaller private institution that uh, would have a little ways to go before they could get there. What you're really good about on hosting a pod, it gives me an opportunity to reaffirm that I, I love 10. <laughs> I, and, I, and I'm not saying a word about anybody. So, so it's, 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 it's funny how we can bow it back up and you can just say, look, Chaves, Chaves said he loves 10. That, that's, that's the, that should be the quote. For the aggregators out there, that's, that's the one that we're going to stick with. You're not, that's, that's good. I wanted to give you the opportunity just in case you wanted to. And I feel like you've done the right thing. Well, I, I mean, I, I appreciate that because that's good, <laughs> but uh, I feel like it is not only the right thing, it's, it's the box I'm staying in right now. Because, you, you know, here's, it, you know, it's almost like hires, Alex, in some way, shape, sure. or form. You never know. You never know how it's going to play itself out until the end. And so, you know, you know, the Summit League might have their grand plans, but it may not necessarily include, I guess, whomever they're trying to include. So to me, that's something that, you know, Commissioner Dupel, and he's been in this for a lot of years, and he's seen a lot of things happen. Those are things that he needs to kind of try to figure out for us to have conversation. Shaves likes 10. Shaved loves ten. Loves ten. Yeah, you can just yes, you can do a second (laughs) follow-up story. He went from like to love pretty quickly. (laughs) Oh well, good. Well, that's obviously something. Along with hockey realignment that we talked about last week, this is going to be something that. We'll be monitoring, obviously, for the, the, I would say, the majority of this season. It'll be something to kind of keep an eye on out there if, if you, as we look to get to 10, perhaps, for the upcoming future for UND Athletics and for the Summit League. Well, uh, UND Athletics is going to kick into high gear and already has, really, fall sports well underway with practice. Uh, we're, you know, if, if we want to kind of go down the list, I mean, women's soccer really has been the only team that is playing actual games thus far. Another exhibition under their belt with a big, a resounding 5 nothing win over Viterbo in exhibition play on Friday. Uh, good numbers, by the way. I mean, the, the shots on 19 shots, 10 shots on goal, five in the back of the net. They've now won back-to-back exhibition games. A couple of couple of really dominant performances against lower-level teams. They get their first real test coming up on Friday against the familiar face in a couple of different ways from the Big Sky. Great home game against Montana to open up the season. 
Yeah, we'd love to have a, a great crowd here uh, in Grand Forks over at Brownson Field at three o'clock. And uh, again, the price is right, right? Bring, uh, yeah. you know, it's your last, it's your last weekend before uh, school starts too here in Grand Forks uh, for for everyone, not only UND, but but uh, you know the public schools as well start uh, next week. And so three o'clock should be great. And what's awesome about soccer, as we know. Alex, you know, it's really a two hour deal, right? I mean, you go there and you're mm-hmm. in and out and you're out by five o'clock and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's fast paced. It, it, it moves. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think what, you know, was great about the exhibitions and we've seen enough soccer, uh, starts to seasons. It's great when you're finding the back of the net a little bit, because I'll tell you what, you know, you just don't, it's almost like trying to get your first hit in baseball, right? It's like, you just want to make sure you're, you're feeling good about putting, you know, putting putting balls away you can do everything leading up to it but if you don't put them away it's 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 all for naught yeah we've seen that in the EPL you know with the Premier League starting you talk about all these guys goal scorers getting a first goal early in one of these first two weeks getting confidence moving forward you know UND has scored now nine goals in their two exhibition games and that's that's pretty good and a lot of different players getting involved as well and of course those games and I'll say this loosely, don't count. We get it. But but I'll tell you what, it's it beats the alternative that sure. you're wondering, you know, where are you going to get your goals from? And so I had that conversation actually with Coach Logan last week, and we were talking about, you know, I, you know, I think if we were going to try to figure out what probably is our area of growth, so to speak, well, one, we do have a lot of uh, first-year players that are, are getting their feet wet. And then two, we've got some uh, some players that maybe at, with, with – whether it's their high schools or clubs, they may have been attacking players now asked to play defense at the college level. And that happens quite a bit because you're just probably one of the better players on your teams, either club or high school, and they want you to score. But now you get to the next level. It's almost like uh, a high school football player going from, say, the offensive side of the ball to the defensive side of the ball. You've got to learn something new. So so it's kind of an interesting uh, – I don't know. It'll be an interesting evolution. But I, in talking with Coach Logan, he's excited about this year. He th- feels like we've got you know a, a number of uh, um, really athletic players, and uh, it should be fun to watch. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, UND picked sixth in the Summit League preseason polls after a, a D1 record campaign last year, nine six and two last season. They were they finished fifth, just outside the top four, which gets you into the Summit League tournament. Eight starters are back. I think people probably picked them a little bit lower in the poll because you look at the the main names they lost. Katie Mahler, that led the league in goals last year, graduated, and we talked about her last week going up for NCAA Woman of the Year. Uh, you think about the goaltending situation where Olivia Swenson was outstanding last season. She graduates. But, again, eight starters back. Catherine Klein, who was the Big Sky Goalkeeper of the Year in 2017 before missing all of last season with uh, a concussion and a variety of different issues. She's back in net this season between the pipes. And there are some names. Again, Mahler scored a ton of goals last year. But they've got a lot of kids like Mimi Iden, who's had a great preseason, who, who played well last season as a sophomore. Megan Wright, who's had a really good preseason. Another young player that is really starting to develop. They've got kids that I think are going to be able to fill in for the goals that are that have graduated, and it makes them a very dangerous team. I think this season. Yeah, you know, you you it's 
you get to this point of of the season of right at the beginning and you know what you how should i say have to fill in as you're saying it correct and and there's no uh mistake and katie had a great year and she scored a lot for us but you know that just now provides someone an opportunity to fill her spot to hopefully take full advantage of that as well and you know what little like i can tell uh i watched uh, i watched a, a bit on on friday so maybe about 25 minutes or so but we were getting chances and i think that's all you can ask for really right you get yeah. to the to the to you get to your attacking third and then uh then from there it's about how you do on set pieces and and how you finish and so uh should be an exciting year yeah i think so too and again as we said last week a ton of home matches and the team starts with a pair this coming weekend again montana against former und assistant head coach by the way chris chitovitsky who won the Big Sky Tournament last year as the number five seed. They're, they're a really good team. Seven starters back. It'll be a good test against the Grizz. That's Friday again at 3 o'clock. And then on Sunday, August the 25th, another really good test against the team from the West Coast Conference. St. Mary's comes to town before UND hits the road for their first road swing the following week. So a great chance to check out Chris Logan and the girls coming up this weekend in games that matter on campus at Bronson Field. Football, by the way, we are... Under two weeks now until Drake. That's coming up August the 31st, a four o'clock kick at the Alaris Center. Practice very much in full swing. Captains are going to be revealed later today. The team seems to be flying high right now with this new offense and a lot of a lot of life and a lot of excitement like you'd always want to see with a football team coming off a year where they came so close to having a special season. Feels like the boys are back and ready to go for this year. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, it's been a good camp. I, I think this, though, Alex, I, you know, we said it last week, and I, I think it, it, we need to reiterate it. Uh, you know, having all of our guys here in the summer taking classes and being able to to work uh, um, a little bit with our coaches, you know, based on what the NCAA allows you to do during those summer uh, months has helped, I think, going into this uh, particular fall camp. And knock on wood, I think we're, we're in pretty decent shape from a uh, from a physical standpoint. And so now really, it's really you're right. It's it's about probably learning, I guess, the differential, uh, but uh, as to what Danny wants to do on the offensive side. And, uh, uh, and it should be it should be a lot of fun for sure. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the one unknown. What does this new offense look like? I think people have seen a little taste. If you've been to again, one, one cool thing about UND football, Bubba allows all the practices to be open. You know, this isn't this isn't like, you know, maybe some other schools that are in our vicinity that kick everybody out after 15 minutes. It is nice to be able to come and see what's going on. And I think one of the things you pick up right away, they are really working hard on, uh, you know, diversity in their offense. You know, short passing game is going to be important. A lot of multiple sets with four receiver sets at times, you know, less of a fullback they've done some different things, but they're also staying true, I think, to the identity of UND, which is going to be a smart, tough, physical football team. And that's not going to go away anytime soon, even though it's more of a spread look than the pro style they've had the last couple seasons. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I kind of look at it this way is we might just have a little bit more in our toolbox as far as who we're playing that day or what's working that day. Yeah. And so um, I don't think, we we deviate certainly from the fact that if we can run the ball and, and get get obviously yardage that way and move the sticks and the clock and I, I, but it's going to be relative sometimes to who you're playing and you know sometimes yeah. the matchups just might be that you know for whatever reason 
our receivers might have an edge, so to speak, on on their DBs, and so so we have to figure that out. And so, uh, but I, you're right; it is about getting the ball out, a little bit of uh, space, and uh, um, should be exciting. One of the big talking points, along with the new offense, has been the schedule. I think people look at the schedule and you see six teams in the top twenty-five in preseason. You know, five of those teams inside the top ten. I mean, those are kind of eye-watering numbers when you think, "Gosh, this is going to be." There, there are going to be a lot of tests along the way. However, you know, I think you and I think anybody in this program would look at it as a great opportunity to go make a statement against some of the best in the country on a weekly basis throughout the course of the season. Yeah, I, I think, you know, there's no question that each week it's going to be a challenge, uh, period, for, for all 11 games. But but there's some uh, matchups that do provide you an opportunity that if if you can find a way to be better that day, that 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 win will keep on giving the rest of the year. Because obviously, the, the second you beat someone, you want them to be pretty good that year as well. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's going to be favorable for the uh, for the selection committee. So, you know, obviously, a, a Drake coming in, everyone in the country knows how dangerous Drake is. Drake has had, had some very, very good performances over the last several years. And so that's, that's going to be a dangerous first start for us. And then, of course, you know, you go to Fargo and, you know, know we know what they've done but it provides you tremendous opportunity uh, at that point and uh, then of course Sam Houston back before we get our first buy of the year and so those are you know those are just uh, that's a heck of a way to start the season but I'll tell you what I get bet you our guys are couldn't be any more excited yeah it is fun we personally haven't been floating out that question to the guys about schedule and those things because we know what the answer is going to be that we're focused on drake and we're not worried about anybody else but at media day you could see you know, some of the different media outlets talking about that in some of those games and and there is a bit of a smile i think the guys have confidence that even though the schedule is tough you can't do anything about it it's not going to change so let's just take it one week at a time or day by day as bubba would say and and see what happens well of the i think six schools that are ranked in the top 25 and again preseason so let's start there right i mean you just you just don't know truly you're going to go mainly based on uh historical and last year performance so there's that but um but three are at home three are on the road so that i mean so so that's that's a really good thing and you know i'll say this alex there's always a school and a team that is somewhat off the grid or radar early in the year and they find their way by by mid-year, you know, having a great year. And there's, you know, no reason why UND can't be in that uh, that that situation this year. Yeah, well, it all gets started, again, less than two weeks away, August the 31st, home opener against Drake at the Alaris Center. We do want to say, by the way, one quick shout-out. You know, the Grand Forks Herald always does a phenomenal job covering UND athletics, and that's been the case no matter what it is. But I, I've been really impressed with their coverage of UND football for fall camp. I think Tom Miller and Branch Lossman and Danny Poglaski got together before camp started and kind of talked about how do we want to amp this up a little bit. And and it's it's not just you know a feature every now and then or kind of a recap here and there. It's been every day, like two or three pieces on their website, in the paper. Uh, that's been It's been really... <laughs> overwhelming is not the right word, but it's really been impressive and really, really fun, I think, for UND fans to feel like, even if they can't be there every day, that they are at Memorial or at the HPC every morning with this team as they get ready to start the 2019 season. Yeah, you know, you know, certainly you're right. The in the article that Tom just did on Teddy Sherva was just yeah. uh, tremendous, really, really good article. But, um, but, you know, 
Alex, much like what we talk about sometimes with the consistency of a pod, like if people can know what they're going to get. I love the fact that annually or daily you cut annually. Like, wow, <laughs> what a year! You get what a year! What a year! That's right. It, it was awesome, <laughs> but daily people yeah. know what to expect. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and so they're looking forward to it. And I, I give, uh, you know, and kudos to Wayne Nelson as well. There's no doubt Wayne had something to do with the, all of that for sure. But but I, I just think, you know, folks that especially can't make it out to practice or are, you know, let's just say, you know, miles away, they feel like they're here. And uh, and if that was the if that was the thought or um, uh, the goal going in, oh boy, they they've 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 gotten it done in spades. Yeah, it's, it's been fun to keep up with the group that way as well as well as being at practice. Yeah, the Teddy Sherva article was fantastic. What a great story. And even the story today about Nate Ketteringham going to be a Navy SEAL after this is all over. We had, we had did a day-by-day interview with Noah Wanzik last week, and Noah was talking about Nate and how it's like, yeah, he's a great swimmer. He's going to be a Navy SEAL. And I had no idea that that was his career path. So it's been fun to, to sort of hear some of those nuggets and then to see it flesh out in those articles. Uh, really good stuff, certainly. And it's a really unique team and an interesting team. And it's really fun to see those personalities come out in great pieces like that. And kind of speaking of which, uh, Midco SN has another format of being able to talk more about the team. And, and consistently, we're going to start seeing those beginning on Tuesday. So as you're listening to this, probably later this evening, you can check out on YouTube or Instagram TV or Twitter. And there'll be the first episode of season two of Day by Day inside Fighting Hawks football that will be released out there today on Midco SN's various social media channels. And that will run weekly throughout the course of the season. That was a really fun show to be a part of last year. We just kind of take a you know, seven to nine minutes or so once a week and and dig into what's going on with the team. With We get great access. Again, big thanks to Alec Johnson and the UND program for giving us so much access into their program. But uh, just again, if you really love UND football or you just, you like hard knocks or you, you've enjoyed Last Chance U or things, or you like to just get to know more about student athletes, this is another one of those kind of documentary behind the scenes style programs that gives you a great look. And it's a really unique one for, for schools at this level. They're not many, not many FCS schools have kind of a weekly show that's dedicated to a team that's like this and it's good stuff. So anyway, that starts on Tuesday night. It'll be dropping Tuesdays at like seven o'clock on Midco SN's YouTube channel. And along with IGTV and, and Twitter, I'll stop promoting it now. I, I just, I'm now, now I'm just rambling and just, but, but yeah, Marty Mueller and Jeremy Klein do a phenomenal job helping put that thing together with me. And it's, it's going to be really good again this season. Yeah, it was great. And I, and I'll tell you what, for a lot of folks, really, Alex, that, that, that just maybe don't know how, all that goes into something, you know, sometimes you just see the kickoff and you, you, you and then you see the game and then, uh, but everything else that happens well before and then after and in between, you guys did a great job of kind of bringing that to, uh, to, you know, to someone that may want obviously be interested on what goes on behind the scenes. Yeah, cool. So it's be looking for that coming up again, starting on this Tuesday and continuing throughout the season, hopefully into December and maybe into January if things all fall right. Um, one other cool thing coming up this week as well, FanFest again Thursday. We mentioned it last week, but come out UND Football FanFest, 7 o'clock at Memorial Stadium. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Pizza, chance to meet the guys, get autographs, here from Bubba. That's coming up this Thursday as well. Yeah, one other mention on that. That's where you can kind of get a lot of the poster and all of the all the type of yes. stuff, right? Calendars and yep. those types of things will be available as well. So we'd love to have you come out. And I know our guys really, it, it, they know when FanFest has hit, they know 
the game is right around the corner and you just turn the switch right into game week right after yeah, that that is what happens again you the way it's been the last couple of years where UND started on a Thursday it's kind of been hey one week from today here we go now of course Saturday start but still nine days away exciting stuff coming up this Thursday night at Memorial Stadium uh, one other team that is still two weeks away from their first game but now practice is underway they just had an open scrimmage this past weekend UND volleyball under Jeremiah Tiffin that's another team, you know, just four upperclassmen in the group. It's going to be a younger group again this year, but a lot of potential. Some of league preseason polls have not come out yet for that sport, but I think a lot of people look at this team and think, hey, they got a great shot to make the tournament and maybe make some noise with so many young kids that got experience one season ago. Yeah, I, I, I think... Uh... It's that team's going to be interesting to watch and watch grow as well. And so I kind of popped into their practice uh, uh, last week, and uh, they're you know they're they're ready. They're they're um, uh, they're excited about uh, trying to uh, figure out I guess where the apex of this team can be. But you're right, they, there's a lot of new faces, or at least I say. It, Inexperience maybe in some areas, but the only way you're going to get experience is get out on the court and get it done. And Jeremiah has done a nice job with this group thus far, and uh, uh, they're ready to go. Yeah, only one senior on that group, but she's an awfully good one. Ashley Brueggemann, who's going on pace right now to eclipse the 1,000 kill mark, which has only happened. I think 17 players in UND program history have gotten to that point, and she's only 150-odd kills away from that. So a really talented kid kind of leading the way. She's kind of been front and center with some of the promotional things they've been doing and uh, words of wisdom to the fan base. And uh, it's, she, She's a really fun kid. Her younger sister is on the team as well, so she's kind of the, the face of the program. But there are so many good young kids they're going to get their chance to shine this year. And they, they started in August the 30th at New Orleans, a little tournament down in Louisiana. A couple more road trips along the way. They don't open at home until mid-September, September 19th and 20th for the UND Classic. So a little bit of time before you can see that team in person, but a great chance to cheer them on from here while they're on the road coming up in the late later half of August and the early part of September. Yeah, if, and if you're not tracking really on what uh, volleyball does kind of in the pre-conference, there's always tournaments around the country. So it kind of gives uh, uh, schools the opportunity to get three or four matches in, depending on the on the tournament that you go to. And there's tournament weekends. And some institutions, Alex, honestly, are never home until truly they get into conference play. Conference. Yeah. And so so it's not uh, unusual by any stretch of the imagination and so you get you get out and uh you know they go and they 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 do their thing on the weekends and then they're back uh back in class on monday morning yeah some of the girls tournaments this year include the university of new orleans tournament the hampton invitational which i think is that's i like that and the uh the comfort in Fuquay Invitational down in North Carolina. Of course, the UND Classic here in Grand Forks. Good stuff and then the summer league gets going once we hit the end of september uh volleyball along with well Volleyball and cross-country, both of which have a little ways to go still, just like football before their first outing game. Cross-country just started practice the other day. Same kind of thing. A lot of excitement around that group as they get ready to really focus in on what's happening on the long-distance side. And some staff hire uh, for cross-country. Cale Wallace is the young man's name. He was an outstanding distance runner for the Razorbacks as an athlete. He's been the volunteer assistant coach for them the last two seasons. But that is one of the premier track and field and cross-country programs in the country, both on the men's and the women's side. And he's been a big part of that, of course, over the last six years of his life. And now he's bringing some of that experience to Christine's staff. And and we, we've talked about this a little bit, but 
UND track and field and cross country, you know, the focus more now with, with Christine being a long distance coach, that's going to be a little more where, you know, this, this team can kind of make their hay in the summit league and adding someone like this just kind of emphasizes that this is how we think we can excel and, and potentially bring championships back to Grand Forks. Really good hire for this group. Yeah. I, you know, it'll be interesting, uh, coming from Arkansas, how, how, that whole group, which is just amazing, they've they've uh, hosted a lot of indoor uh, national championships. How that will uh, play for us, you know? I think you know there's a probably a short term plan, if you will, Alex, and maybe a longer term play as well. And so uh, I think uh, you know th- I think maybe Christine could have went a couple different directions. Quite frankly, she really could have. And um, I think her obviously taking over the entire program, making sure that all the disciplines uh, get her attention tension gives her maybe an opportunity where someone like a kale can come in and maybe uh, take away, how should I say, or help in some areas that was maybe her strength, if you will. And then, uh, uh, and then she's able to then get to the other parts of the uh, track and field disciplines uh, to help those areas. Yeah, good stuff. So again, cross country, they, they'll get started coming up in a couple of weeks at the end of August as well. Uh, one last note on teams that are getting ready to begin. Hockey's still a little ways away, 47 days from today until Manitoba, but ice is going in to the REA this week. And that's always kind of, you talk about a harbinger of what's to come. It's really fun when you start to see the logo get painted and you start to see the ice go in and then you kind of know, hey, and uh, pro day or pro camp, excuse me, for UND pros is coming up next week as well. That's when you know hockey season just around the corner something to get excited about. Well, and I'd say this, uh, Alex, you know, just about all of our other programs, right? Like next week, once school starts, that's when we start doing the orientation sessions for all of our winter programs and spring programs as well. And so, yes, no doubt about it. Um, it's exciting. And, uh, you know, that the, the, Doc on wood and talking with uh, Jody and Charlie over at the at the Ralph, you know, the the uh, scoreboard project went as well as it could go. Yeah. You know, there was really no hiccups per se. And uh, now that the board is uh, in place, now the ice can uh, be laid, which is awesome. Yeah, that thing is unbelievable. And people are just going to we'll talk more about this, you know, in the in the weeks to come. But that's just, it will blow people away when they walk into that building and you see that scoreboard and see the the fascia updates and some of the other things that have gone on. Jody. Uh, Hodgson over at the Ralph and Chad Hopman actually are going to give me a tour uh, that we're, we're going to do a little package for, for Midco SN here coming up at the end of this week. And there's something I'm excited to see. And I've been around as they've been putting this thing in, but I'm excited to see now that it's all working, just all the ins and outs of that place. It's it's going to be a lot of fun to be at the Ralph this year for what should be a really successful hockey season, but also just for just for the all the crazy new bells and whistles that that place is going to have. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, let's uh, let's uh, put on the docket to put Jody on the pod at some point because I think he could probably give us a lot of you know how it all played itself out a little bit. Uh, in addition to what you're going to do with him, obviously from a package standpoint, but he probably can go into some uh, uh, bigger details as far as how that project uh, played out. I'm with you, longtime friend of the pod, Jody Hodgson. We'll, we'll mark it down. It's going to be good. It's a done deal. <laughs> good, uh, Bill. Anything else on your agenda for this week that you'd like to touch on before we flip it over? I think we're good, you know, just uh, come on out on Friday at three o'clock and then uh, Sunday at 1130 against St. Mary's. The first two, you know, I guess official counting uh, 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 games slash matches for uh, for this year. Yeah, perfect. Good stuff there. On the B side, speaking of soccer and things that count and matter. Last week when we potted at this time, you know, Manchester City and Tottenham, that was the big fixture in the EPL and it 
it lived up to the hype on, on a number of different levels. A very entertaining 2-2 draw in the end. Although, at first blush, and it certainly appeared like it was going to be a 3-2 City victory before video assistant referee intervenes. <laughs> Much to Bill's <laughs> joy, adulation. I, how did you experience this this past weekend, Bill? Um, I think... You know, it's funny because the Champions League had used the VAR uh, and the Premier League, it's their first year uh, going down that path. I guess it's like video replay and everything, Alex. You know, it's not not something that fixes, quote unquote, I guess the the fans, um, I don't know, satisfaction level, so to speak, because I, I think people end up getting disappointed when something could have been one way before and now it's another way but i thought based on what the rules are that was the right call yeah probably no different than what the liverpool tottenham match was uh back in the finals i mean you can argue what you want to argue but by the letter of what it was and you look back you know, there was a handball. I mean, even yeah. though, again, quote unquote, was probably more like an upper arm ball, if you will. But doesn't mean that an upper arm can't direct something. Right. And that's really what happened this past Saturday. Bill's never going to let that Musa Sissoko handball go. That's, that's going to be I think that's going to be in every pod for the rest of this season. It was that was that was disappointing. <laughs> I, it, but, it, you know, it was an interesting way to start a match. You know, here here's a goal. Um, but uh, that's okay. That's what it was. And then you got to fight through it anyways. I mean, you if that's what the adversity you get, you better fight through it. Now, having said that, don't you think that that led to the goal a little bit on, on Saturday? I mean, it, it definitely kind of got to, was it Jesus at that point? It, it got to him, I think, based on how it came off of his teammates. Oh, oh, for sure. Yeah. So, so again, if you didn't see this, it, it's a two-two match at the Eddie had city gets a corner ball comes in. It hits off the uh, unintentionally, but Laporte, the city defenseman hits it clearly ball hit, ricochets off his arm, goes right into the path of Gabriel Jesus. And he scores from inside the 18 yard box and it's three, two and everybody wheels away. I should say, by the way, I was watching this, and the goal happens, and I'm cheering for Spurs because obviously as a Liverpool fan, I want City to drop as many points as humanly possible. And I see the goal goes in, and there's like two minutes left in the match, and I just shut it off <laughs> and walk away and go to its end uh, to my 21-month-old daughter. And, and I didn't even realize that the goal was overturned, that it was not a goal until the next day because it was the last match of the day. And I was looking at the table on Sunday morning, and I see that like, only Arsenal and Liverpool have six points. Like what? What happens? What happened at the end of the game? But you're you're right though. I mean, that's the rule has been changed this year to say that if there's a handball, intentional or unintentional, in the build up to a goal or that creates a goal, they will wipe it out. And I think people right now, I think, think that VAR in this case was administered, as you said, administered correctly. I think people just don't like the rule and are just concerned that maybe. Maybe that needs to be rewarded a little bit, but it's going to take some getting used to. The same thing happened the week before in, in the Wolves-Leicester match where there was a clear goal that was, ended, that was disallowed because they saw there was a handball in the buildup. So it's one of those things. you got to be, I mean, in this match, by the way, if you look at the match as a whole and you take this out, you were outshot 30-3 to and corners were 13-2 to in favor of the home team. I will say Spurs did a phenomenal job, though, of taking advantage of the opportunities they were given to get those two goals. Yeah, they were two good goals. 
I mean, they really were. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I, it's funny. That was the flip the week before when Aston Villa was up one nothing, and the Spurs completely dominated them. But I, I think uh, City was just so good in the midfield, it was ridiculous. I mean, it felt like the, the Spurs uh, were in, like, mud. And, and I think part of it was because City's pretty good. They were pretty good and motivated. Yeah. And so you almost got to catch them sometimes and you just weren't going to catch those guys. They were just rolling, but I got to give the Spurs credit. I mean, I, they played okay defensively. They really did. Yeah. And so they, they, and you know, and that was without Vertonghen. So, so they played okay. Um, but yeah, they, they probably, who knows uh, they probably deserved a better fate the week before. And they probably maybe deserved a loss this year, week, but Hey, we'll take a tie and get out of Dodge. Yeah. So probably, Probably a good one for you guys, really. At the end of the oh, day, a, t- a tie is good. You yep. know, I mean, for you all. Yeah. Oh, that's. I mean, it's two dropped points for the best team in Europe, and and I think that's. You know, no, this is no offense to Tottenham fans out there, but I think everybody knows from what we've seen over these two weeks and what we saw all of last year. City's the best team in the league, and they're so deep. Their bench would have. I mean, all of the guys on their bench for this match. David Silva was on the bench to start. You know. Jesus, who'd be a starter for anybody else. You just go down the list. They're so deep and so good at every position. Anytime they drop any points, it is a huge win just to keep this title race interesting. And it's, uh, yes, I was, the Spurs obviously are going to be right there if they're a great team. But I think everybody would agree that the, the City is the clear best team in the league and everybody else just needs, they need to get lucky and they need City to get maybe a couple guys banged up and for City to get disinterested. Those are really the only, we saw a little bit of that with Pep Guardiola and Sergio Aguero kind of getting into it a little bit after he, he subbed Aguero off. Like that's the only way that thing breaks down is if Pep's intensity just, is just too much for these guys for a third straight season. I, I don't see any other way. They don't get. They're they're not. They're going to be in the high nineties again in terms of points. Yeah, last year what De Bruyne got hurt, right? And so uh, and that guy, he's ridiculous. I mean, yeah. he just had his way with the Spurs. Two two assists again. It could have been more this weekend. Oh my goodness gracious, he's so good. But uh, but all that to be said. You know what? Soccer's a funny game. I mean, you know, the, right. the, 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 the bottom line's the bottom line. The, the, uh, here's the end. The end, and this kind of connects back with, uh, with uh, video replay. Here's the thing that I always question, and I don't have my head around it to some degree, is are we reofficiating the game? Is that what we're doing? Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or are we taking one or two or three things in definitively understanding whether the ball is out of the ballpark or not. Or are we going to reofficiate out and safe at every base all the time? To me, that's that's kind of, to me, where the problem, I'll say, quote-unquote, the problem has come in with video replay. Yeah, I think the Premier League so far through two weeks, I think has done a pretty good job of that because you see that it's, the, the video assistant referee is also... You know the the main referee, the match official at times. I mean, so they've got this rotation system in place where the guy who's in the booth knows what it's like to be on the field making the calls. And I think they've done a good job of not overstepping and just stepping in for some of these big goal calls. I think so far, I think it's been okay. But I think you're right. The moment that we start to look at every single 
thing that happens every incident it's just going to become a it's it's going to be kind of become a farce pretty soon like it won't be sport anymore it'll just be this constant checking and making sure that things are are quote unquote just and then we're going to have it's it's not going to be fun to watch well in a in an actual moment how far back do you go so take hockey for example do you go again is it a clean line change is the entry into the zone correct then is the goal over the line. And so, you know, so, so again, you could keep going back if you wanted to and then start saying, well, if that had been called, that wouldn't have happened. And so then the question is, is it just the moment or not? That's why the sport that is lends itself to it and there's like no dispute and it's over is tennis. Right. <laughs> yes. And, and, it, and it's done by a minuscule sometimes out or in, and no one questions it because of the way the sport is set up. It's really a, an object on a line yeah. as opposed to humans with an arm flailing or then we're talking about intent. Did they intend to do that? Well, what does that have to do with anything? That's what VAR has tried to take out of this is that in the city deal here, it's like, hey, you know what? He didn't intend to do it. Yeah, I get it, but it happened and it led to that goal. I mean, you can't dispute that it didn't lead to the goal. I mean, if it doesn't get, it got really literally to his foot based on, (laughs) based on, on the ricochet. If he was trying to do it, he couldn't have done it any better. Like it was a perfect pass with his own intention have any, anything to do with it. It just, it, it either happened or it didn't. And so again, I think all sports are always going to have to juggle this conversation because how much of the human human element do you want to replay? That's the question. Yeah, that's the question I think all these leagues are working with right now. Who was the who was the pitcher for Detroit? Galarraga, I think, lost his perfect game that yes. time. On that, on and that he literally well. lost a perfect game on the wrong call. And, and the official felt horrible about it. Or the umpire felt horrible about it. Now, you would think that would be... That would probably be on the one side why or what we're trying to do with replay. Then there's a whole shades of gray as far as how deep do you want to go. And, you know, I don't know. I, I, I've said this to our folks, uh, you know, with the NCHC. I feel for the, the, the officials that have to come off the ice after, you know, they're going up and down that ice, Alex. I mean, and, and all of a sudden now they have to sit down and toggle between, you know, plays. That's a yeah. tough thing to do, yeah. what we're asking them to do. So anyways, well, get on to a tangent there. But, but. <laughs> this, is, this is something that you feel very passionate about. I mean, we've talked about this before because it's a big thing. It's affecting sport now where the technology is kind of caught up and how do we use this? And these are big questions for sport in our country and, and yeah, in the world. Well, it, what it is too, it, it, at the end of the day, ultimately someone's job's on the line. I mean, that's, that's, that's what ends up happening. So anyways, all that to be said, city's really good. Um, Tottenham was lucky, and now uh, we go home and play Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. There you go. Newcastle that is, uh, 
that has looked pretty bad these first two weeks. They got thumped by Norwich, who's a newly promoted team, 3-1 yesterday, and it really wasn't even that close. So you think you're going to get right. You're going to get back with the full three points this coming weekend and be ready to roll for the rest of August into September. So good, good result for the Spurs this weekend. By the way, one last thing. Great results for the Red Sox lately. We said on this pod a week ago, if they have any chance to do anything, they're going to have to win seven in a row or ten in a row. They've won five in a row since we potted last and are rolling a little bit right now. Seven and three in their last ten. I know they beat the, they swept the Orioles, so it's not like, you know, but hey, all of a sudden, eh, a little bit, a little bit of life, little, some good things happening. But, but I think, yes, I agree. They had to like figure out how to win 10 straight, but I think you followed it up last week by saying, but then we have to have cooperation too. That is, that is true, and they've not gotten that. They've not gotten it, and I think yeah. Oakland took a series with Houston, and so yeah. uh, and Tampa's been on fire, and so you can win as many games as you want right now. We just might have put ourselves too much in a hole. Six and a half back right now of Tampa um, for that for the last wild card spot. Uh, ESPN right now gives the Red Sox a 7% chance to make the postseason. So not not great odds. Oakland, uh, who again is ahead of the Red Sox between between Boston and Oakland or and uh, Tampa Bay, excuse me. And they're given like about a 30% chance. So, you know, if the A's can kind of flub up a little bit, that's what makes it tough. You're not just trying to catch one team. There's another team that's between you and the goal. So, but hey, I mean, if Raphael Devers keeps hitting like he is and if Chris Sale's visit with James Andrews goes okay, <laughs> maybe maybe this season won't end at the end of September. But yeah, 7% is not great. That's a 93% chance they're not going to make it. Yeah, I'm still waiting for a time where, where there's something with, with Sale. I, I just think there's something, you know, uh, obviously his velocity's been down for about a year now, and yeah. uh, he hasn't had the pinpoint control. So it would seem like there's something physical, but maybe not. I don't know. I mean, we'll be interested to see what happens there. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, I'll, I'll say this on baseball in general, it's just, boy, I, there's just so many home runs. What is going on? I mean, it's just, come on. Does that lessen the enjoyment a little bit? The fact for you, I mean, for you personally, that's because guys are hitting dingers all the time? I, you know, and it sounds, you know, I know a little cliche and some people have said this to some degree, but you've lost aspects of the game at this point in time. It feels like, um, I don't know, the, the, I don't know. It, it, it feels like home run derby to some degree. You know, it feels like they're, you're playing backyard wiffle ball as opposed to the nuances of baseball. You know, it feels like you're just jacking you know, you score three, uh, strike out, whatever. No big deal. It's just, it feels like you've lost some of the strategy of baseball, which I don't know. And maybe that's intentional. Maybe that's that's what you know. They they just they know that this is going to sell. And I'll say this to the masses, mm-hmm. as opposed to someone that actually wants to see. You know, I don't know the 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 whole behind the scene, the the game within the game. I mean, I do like. A, a, a long ball, but why can't you do something for the pitchers then and raise the mound a little bit again? That's fair. It's it swung too much. It swung too much the other way. Is what you're saying? Yeah, and, and uh, you know, and I I I sit there and I just say, why is it like? Why are we debating how a baseball is made? Like, why wouldn't like the consistency be out there for all of us to just know? Oh, the cork is a uh, the rubber thing. The cork is a little bit smaller this year. It's a little bit bigger. It's wound tighter. It, we're using a different substance. I, I just that to me is interesting stuff, and it doesn't seem like it's readily available. It doesn't feel like Rawlings is putting that out there. <laughs> More transparency is what we need. Well, I, I mean, I just it seems odd to me we've gotten this many home runs. 
Sure. I mean, you know, you look at the Twins. I, I think the Twins are having a great year. Plus, they're in that one of those years where it just seems like the ball's flying out of the ballpark too. Yeah. So, do you think one one last thing? And I know we're this is this is this has been a solid pod today. We're pushing pushing an hour right now, but I. Bill Simmons has this conspiracy Bill character that he always throws out every now and then when he kind of feels like something's a little bit off. Is this kind of would conspiracy Bill Shaves say that maybe maybe that Major League Baseball has kind of done something with the baseballs or is kind of trying to help the the batters do this? Is that kind of do you think this is an intentional thing or is this just the unintentional consequence of how things have been? I think as long as you use equipment, right? Whether you do something with the bat or you do something with the ball, it's going to create a different outcome. And I do think offense probably sells, but you have to juxtapose it with how long the games are too. And so, so I, I think baseball is trying to figure it out. I mean, as they go forward, but where they've gotten caught up is they're very beholden to their history and records. And so at the end of the day, these records now are all relative to the dead ball era, the live ball era mounds. You know, when Bob Gibson had the ridiculous 1968, they moved the the mound down. Well, his ERA was 1.12 that year. And so at the end of the day, they literally moved the mound down because of that. And so they've responded sometimes when it, it, when the pitchers dominate versus the hitters dominate. But this year just seems odd to me. This one is just, it's, it's, how about this, Alex? It's, it's akin. It feels a little bit late 90 ish right now. I think it's equipment. I think there's, I think there's just things going on when guys go, opposite field and and they leave the yard yeah it just feels weird to me yeah i think well balls in the the ball literally is in rob manfred's court so whatever he wants to do with it it we'll see if they make any changes between this season and next or in the near future if if they can kind of get a handle on the uh, surplus of long balls in the game yeah well and, and and i think again you you it's it's long balls plus strikeouts because it, it it's it's an all or nothing. It's an all or nothing situation when you get into the box now. And that feels, eh, you know, it feels like even walking or whatever. I guess at one point that was uh, uh, valued, but it feels like even getting on base isn't even valued all that much. It is if you can then get maybe a three run homer. <laughs> it's basically it's basically church league softball is what this has become. Are we going to have to limit? Maybe I mean potentially. That's how you keep the scoring down in church league softball. You say you get one home run a game per person, or one home run an inning, or whatever the rules are, depending on what your league is. Well, here's the deal. Uh, it'd be nice if we could continue to play Baltimore. Uh, that's not happening. <laughs> so might have to win a few more games against other teams. Tough, tough swing. Two game home series versus Philly starting on Tuesday. Then an eight game West Coast road trip, which is what kind of doomed the season from the start. So if they can potentially reverse that, maybe this is their chance to reverse those demons. We'll see. Doubt it. Last thing I'll leave you with. (laughs) I couldn't be any happier about, um, oh, I'll call it the locker room in uh, Pittsburgh right now with the Steelers. (laughs) Mm, Which is a a far cry from what we've had. I couldn't be any more excited. And, and it doesn't mean that they're going to make the playoffs this year or, or, or do well that first game. I think they play a team that has done okay over the last few years. Sunday night football against the Patriots. Here we go. But I'll tell you what, I, I, I mean, just between, and again, Le'Veon Bell, there's not much going on there. He's been quiet at the Jets, but with Antonio Brown, with what's going on with the Raiders, <laughs> I mean, oh my goodness yeah. gracious. 
the helmet stuff and his cryogenically frozen feet. And you got out at the right time. Feels like you sold that stock at the right time, Bill. Yeah, I I, I felt like we're just going to be fine with it. And, and actually, the receiving core is not going to be the issue. I don't know if anything. The issue is trying to stop Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. That's the issue, yeah. which no one's yeah. been able to do. That's it. Yeah. So, but you know, defensively, it'll come down to uh, whether or not they can stop teams this year. That will be their difference. So, right. I think they'll score enough points, but we'll yeah. see. Should be a likable Steelers team this year for the first time in a while. At least, you know, for yeah, for Steelers fans especially. Yeah, it's been quiet. So, you know, <laughs> that that's a first start in, in being likable. Just be quiet. <laughs> Just do your job, right? Oh, that's the Patriots. I'm sorry, that's the Patriots. <laughs> that's oh. right. Well, good stuff. Well, always a lot of fun to catch up. Next week, we'll be right back for another pod early in the week, another Monday record. So we'll be looking for episode three of season two coming out next Tuesday. On behalf of Bill Shaves and Cassie Niles, our producer, I'm Alex Sander. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you again soon. 